So the domestic opening weekend rang in around 80.3 million with actuals as they were reported on Monday, which makes it the biggest pandemic opening. We've said that a few times this summer now with The Quiet Place and Fast 9 and, and now Black Widow. Generally expected. Uh, in addition to that, it also uh, earned $78 million internationally. This is the Box Office Podcast. I'm Russ Fisher, the editorial director of the Box Office Studios, and I am here with Daniel Luria, the editorial director of Box Office Pro, Rebecca Polly, the deputy editor of Box Office Pro, and Sean Robbins, the chief analyst at Box Office Pro. Today, we're going to talk about Black Widow, which enjoyed an opening weekend that inarguably stands as the biggest of the pandemic or, at this point, the post-pandemic era. Uh, But there are some big questions about some of the numbers that Disney has reported about Black Widow's opening. Remember that this was a hybrid theatrical and premium Disney Plus release, meaning that home viewers had to pay a $30 fee on top of their Disney subscription to watch the movie. So, uh, Sean, let's just jump right into it. What are the numbers that we know about Black Widow as far as its uh, theatrical gross? So the domestic opening weekend rang in around $80.3 million with actuals as they were reported on Monday which makes it the biggest pandemic opening. We've said that a few times this summer now with The Quiet Place and Fast 9 and and now Black Widow. Generally expected. Uh, In addition to that, it also uh, earned $78 million internationally. So globally, it took in just right around $159 million this weekend. So relatively speaking, under the circumstances, uh, a pretty solid start all around by box office standards. That eighty million domestic, if I'm if I'm remembering correctly, Sean, that was within your your window of expectation, but it was on the low end. Is that correct? Right, right. Which is very interesting because when we saw the Thursday numbers come in, a little over thirteen million dollars, which pushed Friday right under a forty million dollar opening day, it it really actually suggested at the time this could hit eighty five to ninety, maybe even mid nineties. Uh, It's that Saturday drop that's actually really interesting to look at because it proved a little bit more front-loaded than most Marvel movies in July have. It dropped about 41%, which uh, compared to the Ant-Man and the Wasp about three years ago and Spider-Man Homecoming four years ago, they each dropped uh, around the 30%, 27 to 30% range. So that's something I think we'll have to look, look at going forward. And there are a lot of questions about why Black Widow dropped so much more than those two films, given the seemingly positive word of mouth uh, so far. The two biggest movies of the year remain movies that are so far exclusive to theatrical, which are A Quiet Place Part 2 and F9, with A Quiet Place Part 2 only just coming to streaming availability literally today as we record this. Um, Sean, do you think there's any correlation between those really raw facts and uh, Black Widow's hybrid release? I, I think to some extent. I mean, I, I, I think it's it's very clear that A Quiet Place and F9 and Black Widow, all three of these films, and I'll, I'll even include Godzilla vs. Kong back from the spring, these are the kinds of movies that people have been wanting to go back and see on the big screen. I mean, these are these are the popcorn summer movies we, we missed all of last year. And I, But I think it says a lot that two of them so far and the two highest grossing are theatrically exclusive. Now, Black Widow will probably change that, uh, even if it proves to be front-loaded. I I can't really see it. I won't say I can't see it. Who knows what can happen nowadays, but it seems unlikely that it won't eventually outgross both Quiet Place 2 and F9. Uh, It won't hit the typical Marvel numbers, though, and that's that's kind of the dichotomy of, I think, what everybody's looking at is, 
yes, this is a good opening, but it's not what you usually expect from Marvel. And what does that all mean? And there are a lot of ways to break that down, which I think we all probably have some opinions and thoughts on. Sean, let's let's talk about those pre-sales for a little bit, because I think that's a really good point that you bring up. This is a data point that uh, here at Box Office Pro for a number of years, we've been looking at to really inform our weekend forecasting. We've seen it a couple of times already that the pre-sales have been very high, very positive for some titles, maybe influencing some higher forecasting on our end. But the final weekend actuals are coming in at the bottom end of that range that we put in uh, in our reporting. Now, how do you think the pandemic is impacting this consumer sentiment as it relates to the weight that we're placing on pre-sales into an opening weekend? I think it weighs a lot, and it, it really depends on the film, because in Black Widow's case, that opens on the lower end. We had a few films in the Heights, just completely <laughs> missed the range on that one. Peter Rabbit also on the low end, but then also films like F9 and A Quiet Place, we actually hit the high end. Uh, so it, it, this is really part of the learning process, and I think kind of the adaptation in terms of where sentiment is at right now, how pre-sales are evolving, because it, I think it's becoming clear the pandemic. One of the lasting trends created by the pandemic will be that pre-sales are probably more more heavy towards those opening days, but. In addition to that, some of these pre-sales haven't really kicked into high gear until the final days before release. And part of that can probably be chalked up to the fact that studios are not really marketing these for months on end like they typically are yet. So awareness is building later, but it's kicking in uh, very quickly once it does kick in. It's it's really, you know, and it's something I think they'll probably keep changing over the next few months, especially now that people are more aware of theaters being open and big movies coming out. So, you know, pre-sale trends... Unfortunately, it's hard to really see a reality where anything, any data we're collecting over the past few months or this summer will be relevant in six months to a year. Whereas, you know, in years past, you could usually look two to three years at least back uh, in retrospect. I mean, you have to compare the different strategies for Black Widow and say something like a Godzilla versus Kong too, whereas, you know, Black Widow had that $30 premium price point if you wanted to go the streaming route, whereas with Godzilla versus Kong, you just had to have an HBO Max subscription. You know, from those pre-sale numbers, I definitely get the sense that the hardcore Marvel fans, you know, pre-bought their tickets, made sure they could they could get in there as soon as they can. And then maybe later on down the line, as we progress further into the weekend, the more casual fans chose to watch it on Disney Plus. Are you getting that that sense? Uh, the release strategy that Disney used here cannibalized its theatrical potential? I, I think we can't rule anything out. And this is just such a unique circumstance. We, there's never been a film this high profile to take this kind of release strategy. And to me, that's why it's important for us to really just take the numbers as they come in and not overreact too much. We, we haven't quite discussed the Disney Plus figure. Yeah, what, well, I want to discuss what numbers we did get because that was interesting to me. And, and, and Sean is someone who has a veteran of reporting numbers. What did we get from them and what did it mean that they sent it that way? So the studio over the weekend for the first time reported uh, premium access earnings of $60 million for Black Widow, which is a global figure, uh, not necessarily broken out in domestic versus international terms like they usually do with box office. But the understanding is a vast majority of that $60 million came from domestic sales. But what that really tells us is essentially... 2 million people in the world 
uh, opted to buy this movie at home at $30 a piece. Now, that's not necessarily people, I should say households, which likely translates to more like anywhere between four and six million people on, on uh, assuming an average of a family uh, of four to five maybe viewed this, which really gets into the interesting territory here because now this is the first time a studio has ever reported earnings for a PVOD title. And the question becomes, will this become a regular thing? Or is this just a one-time situation where the studio is trying to, for lack of a better phrase, fluff up Black Widow's opening to make it look even better? Now, I, I don't understand, guys, to be completely honest, why the spin here? 80 million is within our projection range. 80 million domestic is the highest pandemic opening that we've seen so far, especially for a PVOD title. That's a that's a great number. But drumming up uh you know this hype that this is a 200 million plus global op- opening weekend when really it's 80 million a very good opening weekend a great opening weekend in the US and i think i don't really know what to think about a 60 million from disney plus that's a good start it's it's not these blockbuster numbers that we're used to because no one is expecting those blockbuster numbers i don't i, yeah. I really don't know how to take this it's it, and that's I think that's where we have to really keep our mindsets because we we have nothing to look at we have nothing to compare it to there's no measure for what how successful that is or isn't and you know ultimately we're looking at the fact that 75% of actual transactions still favored a box office ticket now I'm not that's not getting into views or how many people watched it at home but 2 million sales versus roughly 6 million tickets give or take depending on the average ticket price there's a clear choice there, in my opinion, and that's despite ongoing concerns, not even in domestically, about the Delta variant. Uh, a large portion of Canada still isn't back online, and in general, not everybody is ready to go back to theaters yet. So, all in all, I mean, contextualizing this, 80 million from the box office versus 60 million on Disney Plus is hard to put in comparative terms. But like you said, that box office figure itself is very positive. You know, one of the concerns that we that I think a lot of audiences have coming back into the movies is the percentage of the population that remains unvaccinated. Now, there mm-hmm. are we can break that into two groups: the people that willingly want to stay unvaccinated. I think everyone has a strong opinion either way on that. We don't have to get into that. And there's the population that is under 18 that can't get a vaccine and that has to wait a little bit depending on where they live, right? I know in in some states they're saying 16 and up, 13 and up. But really, if you're under 18, you're probably not going to be vaccinated. That's a huge percentage of the moviegoers for these type of titles, for any type of Disney movie. Looking at the demographic data that we did get uh, from Sunday, we see that only 23% of moviegoers were under the age of 18 for the opening weekend of Black Widow. I think that's very revealing. And that I think that's something that we can't really, you know, throw and blame any blame for the PVOD release or, or for any other circumstance other than the pandemic. And you wonder how that's going to affect something like say, a Jungle Cruise, which, you know, obviously Dwayne Johnson has has very wide appeal and they're marketing it towards a general audience, but the property does seem more, for lack of a better word, kitty. And I think in the greater kind of, you know, picture of this, it, there also may have just be a control or a, a desire for the studio to put into context this opening for the kind of movie it is, because this, this was a thriller 
not really the kind of Marvel movie that usually brings out that kiddie audience. I mean, not to say that Marvel, pretty much every Marvel movie is going to attract kids, but this was more akin to something like Winter Soldier. It wasn't a Spider-Man. So it was always going to be probably one of the quote unquote lower Marvel openers. And I don't know if that really factored into how Disney is, whether they did not or did expect, uh, you know, reporting to to focus on that aspect of it, of it, you know, maybe not opening anywhere near the Captain Marvel level, which was 174 million two years ago. Nobody ever expected that, regardless of the pandemic. This was a essentially a prequel movie about a character everyone who knows of the fate about. It's very different from anything Marvel had done yet. Well, and Russ, it's something that you've talked about before. I mean, I, I did, I did go and I, I saw Black Widow, uh, and I found myself kind of doing a little mental math to figure out where in the MCU timeline it was supposed to take place. Like, oh, it was between this movie and this movie, but this movie happened in between. Uh, you know, what what are the emotional beats that I should be feeling, knowing what happens later in the movies? <laughs> it just feels like. I mean, not necessarily that it should have come out earlier in the sense of that they should not have delayed it for COVID reasons. Like, obviously, we get it. That's what it is. But, I mean, this movie should have been made a few years ago, I feel. inarguably, yes. This movie should have been made prior to Infinity War and Endgame. Uh, It's very strange to have this as, you know, a postscript after the events of Endgame, which is a movie that virtually everybody saw. You know, if if it's to, if it can be said that everybody saw a movie, Endgame is pretty high on that list. So, you know, it's the sort of thing where the fate of this character, what happens in Endgame, it just seems weird to release Black Widow now. It seems a little bit too little too late. It feels like this character has been given a complete storyline already. So this feels like a side pot. And, you know, I, th- I think that the points that uh, in the grand spectrum of Marvel movies, even taken away from the context of the pandemic, it's very possible that Black Widow might not have been the highest grossing, you know, may not have been in the highest tier of Marvel grocers, period. Um, and that's not to take anything away from those who worked on the movie and the achievements, but it does... I think it it is very much a comment about Marvel's planning and you know how they orchestrated this even prior to the pandemic. We talk about planning. Uh, it it's obviously difficult to release a film during the pandemic, but don't make it harder on yourself when you're rescheduling a movie by putting it the same weekend as the European Cup soccer final in two of your biggest markets uh, in Europe. And the Copa America soccer finals in two of your biggest uh, markets in Latin America. On top of it, you've got Wimbledon as well, uh, also doing the finals on the same weekend. So it, in the world of timing and events, it, it's a little bit more crowded out there than, than maybe the numbers are saying. It's more crowded than it's been in literally a year. You know, it's like you've got right. these major sports events going on. Uh, and and that are major events, not just in the context of any given time, but specifically right now. And so, yeah, I think that's a very good point that that this timing is uh, awkward at best. And I think that speaks to kind of the complication that we we've really talked about ever since Black Widow's first delay last year about Disney's position relative to other studios because other studios can take a Top Gun or a James Bond and push it back six months. And yes, there are other concerns with that, but that doesn't affect most of their pipeline in the way that moving a Marvel movie does. 
So in this in this case, we have three more movies in this franchise, plus Venom, which isn't really related to this part of the Marvel side, but essentially another four Marvel movies opening this year. And it kind of begged that question of, you know, can Black Widow really move further out? Or is was this just the last possible chance to get it out there in the world without being straight completely to streaming? And Sean, that's something I wanted to to ask you about. I mean, Black Widow, you know, was made too late, came out too late. At this point, kind of feels a little bit, you know, tacked on, dare I say, inessential. Uh, but it is a wrap-up for Phase 3. And now with Shang-Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings, they are moving into Phase 4. Obviously, Marvel's brilliant at marketing. Obviously, just the fact that it's the MCU Marvel brand is going to bring a lot of people in. But these are characters who have not been on the big screen before. And, you know, we've had this exact same conversation before, um, back a few years ago when Guardians of the Galaxy came out. Oh, these are like, you know, lower tier comic book characters. Nobody knows who they are. Nobody's going to come out and see this movie. Why the hell is there a talking raccoon here? (laughs) And then obviously the movie did well. It was an excellent movie and phase three proceeded apace. Do you, how do you feel about Marvel launching phase four, launching new characters, new concepts? They seem to be getting more into the time travel multiverse thing, launching that now during all of this, by which I mean the pandemic that's still affecting international markets and just the extremely crowded theatrical marketplace that we're looking at over the next few months. I mean, I think if there's a franchise that can do it, it's it's them. But I, I, it's also interesting to me that they are essentially, they're calling Black Widow the start of phase four, which at first didn't make a lot See, of sense that to doesn't me. Even, I, that's why I got that wrong. That doesn't even make sense to me, honestly. <laughs> Well, I don't want to, I mean, I don't want to give away spoilers on the podcast, but within their email, they refer to it as an origin story, which doesn't make a lot of sense on the face of it because it's about a character we've known for 10 years. And to be honest, without getting too spoiler heavy, you learn some origin aspects of Scarlett Johansson's character, but it's mostly focused on that timeline between Civil War and Infinity War. However, it does set up another major character who you can make the argument for this being the origin story of that character. We will see a lot lot more of going forward through phase four and probably further. So it's almost like a hybrid in that sense. It's a, it's a closing of the phase three and the black widow character, but it's also that kickstart. And to your point, I I think that's, that's part of the, the brilliance of Marvel because they can take these established characters and, and use them as, as launch pads for, for other characters and other, other franchises. And now the question is, does the timing work here? I really don't know if the pandemic will really curb those efforts drastically in terms of the appeal. If anything, I I personally think the two-year wait between Marvel movies might have actually ended up being some of an advantage because where do you go after Endgame? Where do you go after what was at one time the biggest movie of all time until Avatar passed it again? And then the pandemic hits and suddenly people don't have Marvel content for the first time in a decade uh, but that changes with three streaming series that have done really well on Disney Plus, and now Black Widow is getting really, really positive reception and doing well at the box office. And I think once we get to the end of the year, we'll have Spider-Man probably come out and and really be pr- probably the best performer of the year, barring you know no further uh, setbacks regarding the pandemic. So I, I think all in all, it's 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 going to work to their advantage, but not that's not to say there aren't new challenges here. 
I think, too, the question of phase three, phase four, all that sort of thing is largely lost on the audience that Marvel needs to make these movies a success. Uh, You know, it's like it's great stuff for Kevin Feige to talk about in interviews and if they do, you know, a big shindig. And it's great stuff for blogs to write about. But beyond that, I think it's more or less completely besides the point. Uh, now, Sean, speaking of, of Shang-Chi, Disney has made a point to say that it will be an exclusively theatrical release when it comes out on September 3rd. Uh, do you foresee maybe a reassessment of that from their end moving forward? They do seem to be proud of uh, of the Disney Plus numbers that Black Widow achieved, though granted it's, it's difficult to know really how those numbers stack up when we haven't gotten any similar data from other uh, Disney Plus titles, but... You know, is that a possibility now, do you think? I do think it's a possibility, but maybe not exclusively because of the fact that they have put Black Widow's Disney Plus numbers out there. I I think they're still looking at the global market and they're still looking at a number of territories where they are not quite back up to the speed that even the, the United States is or China, for that matter, has proven to be for the most part. So that's I, I, that will be the decision that I'm sure they're looking at. I wouldn't. I would bet a lot of money that they're considering changing the plans for that. But I wouldn't make any bets on it actually happening or not yet because a lot could change in the next month and a half. It could change for the better, or we could slide back if the Delta variant becomes a greater concern in countries that don't have an ample supply of vaccines. And so we're we're still at that point where, as much as we are domestically in that recovery phase. A lot of important markets for the theatrical industry aren't there yet, and that's going to be a big factor for Disney. And Sean, you have noted in the past that when uh, big decisions like these are announced, they tend to be about six weeks out from the release date. Right. So we're looking at uh, three, four, we're looking at late July, maybe. If we don't hear anything, we can start to breathe a little bit easy. Hopefully, I would you know I would anticipate if it doesn't happen immediately, they might wait to see how Jungle Cruise does on opening weekend. But that's just pure speculation on my part. The other thing is there is that investor call coming up that tends uh, to be yes. the other place yep. where big changes, big announcements are made. So I think if we if we get to if we get past that August twelfth call with no big announcement, then we can probably rely on it being remaining exclusively theatrical. Agreed. But uh, I think we can all uh, agree that the the days leading up to that call will be a little bit uncertain and maybe even stressful as we wait to see what Disney wants to drop there. Thank you, Sean, Rebecca, and Daniel for all of your insights and for joining me once again. It is great to finally be able to talk about a movie like Black Widow, which we have been waiting for for a long time. It's nice to get to uh, the release of yet another one of those big pre-pandemic movies so that we can all kind of move forward. The Box Office Podcast is produced by recordeditpodcast.com and The Box Office Company. Thank you all for listening, and please join us again next week. Mm-hmm.